Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We've gone for two up front this week with Sydney FC striker Adam LaFondra joining Michael Bridges for this week's episode. And we're just as excited as Jose Mourinho when he gets to approach a fourth official. David Weiner with you here for this week's episode of The Gagan Pod. Much to get stuck into, so let's get started. Bridgie, good to see you again. Welcome, welcome. And Adam LaFondra, welcome back to Optus Sport. Great to see you here for another gag and pod. Have you been? Yeah, I've been really good, thanks. You know, um, we've, we've done uh, reasonably well while I've been away and, you know, it's looking good for us. Yeah, brilliant. Knocking goals in for fun, which is always good to see. Hey, someone trying to knock goals in for fun, Bridgie. Looking trim, taut <laughs> and terrific this week because you've got some more news to look forward to. I think we mentioned it last time on the gag and pod that we had the, you know, football for fires that the match is going to be on. I said there might be a little bit more news next week. And on the next game pod, yes, Leeds United, um, old boys, they call themselves legends. There's not many legends in that team, unfortunately. <laughs> That's why I've got the call up. And um, we're taking on Bayern Munich at Elland Road on the 28th of March, which is the international break um, for the, all the clubs. So it's going to be oh, unbelievable. So I've got a, oh, I've got a bit of incentive there, Dave. So thanks for noticing the waist. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helps when you walk around just swinging your hips into the podcast room all the time. Some of the names that are, you're going to be reuniting with? Um, Ian Hart, Danny Mills, Gary Kelly, Lucas Redebe, Alfie Holland. So I'll be interested to have a chat with him yeah. about how his son is going. And the we've got some Tony Drago. Nice. Whelan. Weatherall, so it's it's going to be very, very interesting. Fantastic. And some of the Bayern players, there must be a, a roll call of, of European legends coming to that well, game. Well, I'm hoping Lothar Mateus plays. He's on the list. He's, he's down there. I mean, he must be going on 50-odd. Yeah. He's probably going to be sweeping as he, as he yeah. did when they won the World Cup. Um, the Brazilian boy, Lucio. Okay. Now, I've actually played against him in the past, um, and it was a great battle. So looking forward to that one as well. And um, the, the names just keep coming out week by week. Closer to home, Alfie? Things are flying at Sydney FC. Can you guys, what's going to stop you guys? You're just, and you're just on an incredible run. Yeah, you know, um, when I came in last time, it was I think it was before the derby again and, and we got beat that game. So hopefully, you know, we don't follow suit with this one. Um, we've just been, uh, you know, just on an unstoppable roll at the minute where everything seems to uh, fall into place for us. You know, attacking wise, we've been, you know, devastating really. Um, Costa, Alex Barmio and Ninko with, and Caceres as well. We've just been uh, really exploiting teams, which is, you know, it's good for me because people are putting chances on a plate for me and making it easy for me. Well, the thing I've noticed when you haven't been exploiting teams as much and you haven't been dominating games, I was watching the Newcastle Jets game up there. Yeah. You were clinical. I think yeah. there's two chances, two goals, Ninks has slipped you in, you've got the finish. It was just dynamic at the right times. So that's a great sign. You know, you get a lot of teams. Chelsea are struggling at the moment, creating a lot of chances. And they were saying, oh, if we could only score that many chances. And that's what Sydney are doing. At the clinical times, when they're not getting many chances, they are taking them. And he's sniffing the goals out all the time. Yeah, sure. I, I wonder, I asked, um, I actually interviewed Steve Corica earlier this week for an article ahead of the derby. And, and one of the same things I asked him is, how, how do Sydney FC maintain such a standard to be so far ahead of the league? It's almost, I don't want to say it's Liverpool-esque, but the level of... Oh, don't say that, no, please. But the level of dominance... Oh, Kevin forbid, we don't yeah. need that here. But the level of dominance and, and to sustain that has been mightily oppressive, impressive in the style of play. What do you put that down to that's, that's created that gap in the competition? Uh, I just think it's the culture of the boys. You know, we drive the standard. Um, we want to win every game. Obviously, Bimby um, demands a lot from us. And, and as players, we demand a lot from each other. I think when you're in good teams, um, you always want to, you know, push the boundaries and how far you can go. And, you know, as a, as a group of boys... Uh, we're fantastic around the dressing room. The camaraderie is amazing, as you'd expect in a team that, that's winning quite a lot. Um, you know, we just want to keep winning, want to keep performing well, and hopefully that will take us into our ACL period as well. I think it's the professionalism. Alfie's talked about there of the players, but it's a professional off the park as well. Um, doing the pro diploma coaching course, we were um, privileged enough to go in and sit down and have um, Townsend 
okay, yeah. present yeah. the you know the beliefs and the values of this club and the show Sydney FC. Uh, yes, yeah. sorry, yes, and he was magnificent. It was flawless. The presentation was brilliant. You come out there going, you know, that's a guy that is running the organisation that's got a vision. They've got the goals, they've got the values. He puts it back down into the staff that he works under, and then you've got Bimby and Steve, um, sorry, Steve Corica and Rob Stanton. Stanton. Rob Stanton is methodical. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's professional. <laughs> he's, he's a perfectionist. That's his loves football as well. He loves his football. Yeah. And it's getting the messages and the values and the beliefs, right, and setting a clarity and a standard down that the boys have embraced and they've taken on board. So I've, after witnessing... What I've seen, it doesn't surprise me now why Sydney FC have been so successful over the last three three years, four years. And coming down here, you've had different experiences. I'm sure it's a, a great little chapter in your life. And now there's another one coming up with the Asian Champions League as well, um, including a visit with uh, Ange Postacoglu, which I'm sure you've heard all about why that's such a, a big tie for Sydney FC. How, tell us about your, your, your preparation for that and how much you're looking forward to that. Yeah, competition. You know, yeah, you know, um, obviously I played in it last season and it was a real shot to the body, really. Um, you know, 10-hour flight there. Um, obviously, defend all game. And then 10-hour flight back and then you play two days later. I thought I was ready for it and I was nowhere near ready for it. Um, but this season, got myself in a little bit more, a little bit more leaner, a little bit more fitter for the for the season. And for this period especially, you know, um, I want to back up in the A-League more so than... Obviously, after the, the, the ACL long trips, I want to do well there and, and obviously come back and do well here because obviously I'm in the run for the golden boot. So, you know, I can't, I can't afford to let it slip. And I think some of the things you take for granted, Bridges, is, is, is some of those trips include the 10 hours plus a three-hour bus ride. So you do that, you come back, vice versa. Um, the, the battle between Steve Corica and Ange Postacoglu, that's going to be a great little fillet for Australian football. Oh, it's going to be great. They're the talking points you want. Think about what Ange has done for an Australian coach that has never been done before. To go in there, different culture, different atmosphere, different language, and he's, he's embraced it and he's gone and won it. So that is, you know, he's given all Australian coaches a, an opportunity and he's opened up the up doorways and Pete Klamowski now is gone and left left his side. He's, you know, he's been babysitting and looking up after Ange and Ange has looked <laughs> after him and now they've gone their own ways because he's ready. Uh, and it, it's just great. So to see this matchup with Stevie Corica, it's, it's almost like the young Jedi warrior <laughs> and Luke Skywalker taking on Obi-Wan Kenobi, who, who was the master of it. So it's going to be fantastic. Awesome. Now, Sydney Derby, there goes my pen. I'm getting that excited. Sydney Derby <laughs> this weekend, of course, at, at Cogra, um, which is going to be a great occasion. Um, with a gap, we mentioned the distance that you guys have created. I think it's, I wrote it down before. It's, it's a, I had to do the maths. It's 23 points between you and Western Sydney, which is quite outrageous. Um, massive game. Um, Looking forward to that one as always. But what does the motivation become in that kind of game when you are so far ahead? We want to keep them down there. You know, um, obviously the only defeat we had this season was Western Sydney Wanderers, and um, you know, as as a team, we want to obviously exact revenge. Obviously, they're our closest rivals as well, so we want to pile on them as well. They've lost their manager. Um, obviously, they got a good result against the Mariners, but. You know, they're coming to our home at Cogra. Hopefully the, the cove will be in full force like normal and we'll make it a real intimidating, you know, atmosphere and performance from us, hopefully. Rightio, then give us an answer. Good stuff, good stuff. And we'll touch a little bit more on, on all things closer to home throughout the podcast. But moving to England, of course, where midweek right now, it's a FA Cup replay action. We'll touch on that as results conclude during our podcast recording a little bit later on, but the transfer window is closed. We're in this sort of winter break, so there's there's still a truckload to talk about. And uh, if you're Olivia Giroud, unfortunately, though, you don't have too much to talk about. So we're going to kick off, Bridgie, with the first finish this sentence today. If if you were Olivia Giroud right now, you'd feel... I would feel like going on holiday for the rest of the season. (laughs) It's (laughs) Go and embrace it. Go and enjoy yourself because... He been made a bit of a scapegoat and you know a bit of a laughing stock. This is a World Cup winner, can't get a, can't get a gig under Frank Lampard, and you're hoping to get a move in January. That didn't materialise because they couldn't get somebody in. Yeah. So you're just sitting there doing absolutely nothing. He would just love to get away and just have a holiday and get ready for the next transfer window, which is in the off season. But he's got a Euros coming up. Yeah, I think he's got stay ready. Obviously, um, I think he's headspace at the minute. Maybe a couple of days off and. You know, he's, I think I read somewhere where he had uh, a move to Lazio agreed and obviously if, if they got someone in, they could go. But, you know, as a professional player, and I'm sure he is, he's he's probably wishing he was away, but 
he's got to stay ready, he's got to stay fit, and he's got to try and, you know, force his way into Frank's team if he's going to go to the Euros. I tell you what, if he had got the Lazio move, he would have had another holiday there as well because yeah. they're 15, 15 wins out of 15, is it? With Giro Immobile scoring some yeah. absolutely outrageous goals. <laughs> he wouldn't goals. get a game. He is a foil. He is a sort of a backup. He Is his treatment a bit bizarre at the moment? Like, not even on the bench on the weekend for a side that is struggling to finish in those clinical areas? I feel so. I mean, what's, there's two strikers here you're talking to, and oh, Tammy Abraham's been doing unbelievable. He's been given opportunity. You've got Bashwai, who they're very similar players in the way that they can make good runs. They know where the goal is. I don't. Tammy Abraham plays with his back to goal better than um, Bashwai. He can bring other players into the game, which is Olivier Giroud's game. That's what he does so well for yeah. France. He didn't have a shot in the World Cup, mm. yet to win the World Cup. Yeah. That shows his influence. I think there's something deeper than that because if he's not getting an opportunity, speaking from past experiences and venue in clubs that I've been in, when you see a second or third choice striker not even getting any opportunity when both strikers on scoring, there's something amiss there. Normally, you'd, you'd normally see two strikers on the bench, really. Um, obviously, they're totally different players. Like yeah. you say, um, Giroud's a, t- a typical nine hold-up player and, and obviously Abraham offers the runs in behind as well as hold-up and... Bashawai is a little bit similar to Abraham, maybe not as good at, at, at both of them things, but you know, to have someone like Giroud not even in the squad is criminal. I Giroud think. seems like a better, if I was the gaffer or coaching staff, Giroud would seem like a better plan B. Let's say the game's not going the way we want it to go. You're bringing on Bashawai, that's fresher, but again, a similar player to yeah. Tammy Abraham. Giroud gives you something completely different. That's why I think there is something underlying here. Um, with him and Frank Lampard, all the, all the coaching stuff. Mm, interesting. Now, we'll see what happens with his future there. He must be really frustrated. Uh, Bridges, Steve Bergwijn's Premier League debut was... Have you seen the movie, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly? Clint Eastwood. It was just like that. It, he scored an unbelievable goal. He celebrated and then realised that he'd done yeah. something, I think. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Tried to carry on and looked very ugly, and then the bad scenario unfolded where he'd, he'd actually done damage and, and injured himself. So um, yeah, I, can, I can say tick the box because it was a good, great goal. He introduced himself to the fans. It was a great result. Um, but oh, you'd be gutted, it's, you know, celebrating and getting injured. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't miss you know a lot of time with that, and you know we wish him a speedy recovery because he, he's obviously going to be a big player for Spurs, obviously replacing Ericsson. So. Let's hope he gets back quick. Did you like what you saw? Obviously, the goal was magnificent, yeah. clinching the again the one 0 lead in that in that snatch and grab, so to speak, uh, win over Manchester City. Did you like what you saw overall and what he brings in his early impressions? Yes, because normally when you get a signing, it takes a while to adapt into the system, the style of play. You might be a little bit underdone when transfers go through. This guy's looked sharp from the get go. He he seemed to understand. His roles and responsibilities, he was up for it, and that, that was a very, very positive sign. And the way the players have embraced him on social media as well, yeah. with his celebration, the, the hand over <laughs> yeah. the face, that's a good way to uh, endear yourself. So all in all, I, I was very, very impressed with it. Well, so was Jose Mourinho, and so is the rest of the world at the moment with Jose Mourinho. So I ask you, Adam, uh, Jose Mourinho's hysterical protest over Raheem Sterling's uh, um, foul uh, was... Classic. I think it's just classic <laughs> Jose. Um I think we live for the moments from managers, you know, a bit of character. We've, you know, he was a bit dour at United, but we're crying out for this sort of Mourinho to come back and, you know, it's hysterical to see him, you know, sit down on the bench for a second <laughs> and then get a little whisper in his ear and he's up like a pit bull trying to get uh, Sterling sent off. So, you know, I thought it was fantastic, really. Could you see Rob Stanton winding up <laughs> as easily as that? No, but, uh, you know, if you would have seen him um, during the game, in the, the Brisbane game the other night, uh, he, were, he probably would have looked a little bit similar to that because he wanted us to press a little bit more and we sat off a bit too much, really. He's zero to 100 in about 0.3 of a second. <laughs> um, that's that's got to be moment of the season. What? For me, that, that reaction. Do you think, Bridgie, is that natural or was that pantomime kind of villain stuff? No, that, that was so nat- natural because it was the fact that they were both laughing off the incident which was the, you know, the dive. Yeah. And they've gone and both sat down in the, you know, the sarcastic clap. You can't, rep, you can't try and reenact that. That's not superimposed. It could have happened. It was the fact that the assistant manager knows his manager so well <laughs> and yeah. realised he's looked at the sheet and gone, oh, he's already been booked, boss. Oh, he knew what he was doing. The yeah, assistant has proper pressed yeah. it. Yeah. You poke a monkey in a cage, at some point that monkey is going to react and that's exactly what happened. It was really 
Bloody brilliant. Absolutely outstanding. Now, on that was a snatch and grab. Classic. Two shots, two goals at that point. Um, you're, what did you make of, I mean, that was brilliant theatre, but what did you make of the Spurs win and in the same breath, if, if, if there's more of a takeout, City failing to score with all the chances and position they had? It's like I was saying to about Alfie before when Sydney played Newcastle Jets, you have you take your chances, you are clinical. Now Spurs have had a lot of chances of late, but without Harry Kane haven't been scoring. That's a massive tick for them. They've had defensive issues since the start yeah. of the season. Mourinho would have been more impressed with the defensive structure and the defensive of, of stopping City scoring than he would have been with the, the goals that they'd scored. Yeah, they got the result. He would have gone and just been smiling, going, clean sheet, this is us. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the the blueprint for any Mourinho team is, you know, clean sheet and, you know, we'll try and nick something after that. Yeah. Well, Adam, Raheem Sterling's form as a flow on from that, his form is disappointing. You know, um, he was unbelievable for the you know first three, four months of the season. And and obviously this downturn in form for City has probably coincided with Sterling's form, I guess. You know, he's such a big player for them. He's, he's, he's just not really seeming to get any sort of... You know, I won't say luck because he's he's too good just to rely on luck. But he's he's not putting away his chances, not really creating much as well. So it's it's just disappointing for him. It's go on, I, Bridgie. I was talking towards the end of last season, on the start of this season, potentially as a contender for the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, definitely. Got no chance now. No, I don't think big players don't have months off. Yeah, yeah and it's a, a bit of talk this morning, a bit of a hamstring niggle. But I, I'll throw something at you that's a little bit surprised surprised me this morning that I read. Um, City have actually created more chances this year per game than they did last season. It tells you a hell of a lot about the level of finishing they, that they've got in there and that um, so much of that last year had Leroy Sane on the other side. How big an influence has that had on, on perhaps a function uh, Sterling has to take on a little bit more and it just hasn't worked? Yeah, I, well, I think... To be fair, Sterling was knocking him in all at the start of the season. Um, losing Sane is a big miss for any team, but if any team can cover Sane going, you've got Mares there, obviously Bernardo Silva, if you wanted to push him up there as well. Um, you know, they've got a great team. I just, obviously, for some reason or, or another, it's just not clicked. And defensively, they've been they've been poor, which is, you can't get away from the fact that they've been poor and probably not kept themselves in enough games and, and given away games. If you look at Wolves, when they play them, they seem to have the number every time. And, you know, Adama Traore just runs through people. There'll be a lot of teams will be on alert because he has talked, I want two centre-halves mm, yeah. at City. Uh, so that opens the door for Stones, England International. He, you know, he's put other teams on red-hot alert for next season. That's one issue he's got. But you were talking about chances created. As a coach and a staff, you're delighted with that. The worrying side is you haven't scored it. But have teams now work out kind of the areas of attack where City try to exploit and get their goals from and that, you know that's another thing they've become aware because remember when Leicester won the title yeah, it was counter-attack mm, counter-attack yeah. teams then thought you know when we're playing Leicester we are going to drop deep next season they caught everybody off guard and that's when Rodgers has given them a new lease of life now yeah. so other teams have become aware and they've done the homework and their research and they've worked out how to stop City to a degree. Yeah, those FIFA-esque sort of backpost <laughs> tap-ins, which is like, how does that happen every time? Homos. Yeah. Points yeah. of most opportunity. <laughs> um, by the way, um, England's front three at the Euros probably would have been Kane, Sterling and Rashford. Looks a little bit different right now for Gareth Southgate. Gives him something to think about. Alfie, Bridges. <laughs> Who else can we throw in there? Heskey. Yeah. Go on, bigger meal. Love that. <laughs> Last one. Next one to you, Bridgie. Kylian Mbappe's recent behaviour. Suggests. Oh, if it was my child and it was my <laughs> son and Riley, I would say he's being petulant. Get to your room right now and respect your elders. What I will say is that he has got no respect for Tuchel. And there is something underlining here. He's, you know, there's a big opportunity that Real Madrid want him. There's some teams floating around. Has he got to the point where he he does not like Tuchel and he wants to get that move and he's trying everything to to do that? Um, it was just petulant and there's definitely something something there where he's trying to force yeah. a move. So for those that didn't see it against Montpellier, they're up five 0 He'd scored. It was twenty odd minutes to go and and he got pulled off. Uh, Cavani and Icardi, I think, were the two players that hadn't had a run yet. And it's almost like um, twenty one years old. Let let me let me score for the next. You know, I want to score more goals. I want to score more goals. It's almost very babies in a way. Um, where do you read it? Is it that or is it something more at play? 
And on the cusp of the Champions League knockouts, this is the last thing Paris Saint-Germain need. I think it's a bit of both. I think, obviously, it's very petulant from Mbappe, but I can see it from his point as a striker. If you see it, you're 5-0 up and, you know, you're having a worldie, why would you want to be brought off 20 minutes early? I had it a couple of times in my career when I was on hat-tricks and I got brought off after, like, 70 minutes and I was thinking, hold on, I can get 4-5 and five here. And I'm obviously Mbappe's a little bit better than me, so I'm thinking he's thinking. <laughs> oh, hold on, like, hey, what's the man management aspect of that though? Like, as a player, does that piss you off if your manager's not giving you the chance to actually fulfil your your potential there, or do you have to look and go, oh, geez, my mate, we're playing against a rubbish team. He's really struggling. He might need a couple of minutes as well. Um, for me, it was obviously as a goal scorer, I wanted to play every minute. Um, but obviously, in the time I did get brought off, in that's in that instance, it was three games in a week and I think that was the the midweek game so it was resting me for the weekend but obviously as I was coming off I was like in the demons in my head were saying like just have a little word saying look I want to play <laughs> I want to carry on scoring but then obviously as a player you understand why you're getting brought off for the bigger picture but obviously ultimately selfishly I want to play it's how the manager and the coaches sell that to you during the week though Dave because emotions are high during games and, you know, we had the instance with Mo Salah and Marnie. Mm. We Klopp yeah. handled that superbly, superbly well. It's You can't let it go on. You've got to get the lads in. You've got to try and explain. I would say, listen, Harvey, I brought you off 62 minutes, mate. You had two goals. But look at the bigger picture here. If you don't get into their head and yeah. don't have a chat with the player, then this it's friction. Yeah. Yeah, and and it, it's going to fester, it's going to yeah. go on. I think this is the situation with um, Tuchel and Mbappe. There's something going on earlier on this season. Manifesto, there's all this talk. So um, yeah, watch watch this space. I think I think Mbappe is gone in the summer. Yeah, yeah to yeah. Real. Yeah, and you, you you know we've talked. Alfie's talking about Sydney having standards. Yeah, and the players embrace it. I see Paris Saint Germain, a massive club. Do I see a lot of authority there? No, I don't because no. I see Neymar acting a fool at times. I see him his behaviour is not setting examples and standards. Mbappe doing that, the, there's not a lot of, um, what am I saying? Like, a, 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 What's the word I'm Values. Values? Yeah, Authenticity? values, belief. Like, but yeah. just the, your core values about yeah. saying, that we're, you know, a bigger picture here. It's about the team. There's a lot of individuals there. So one of the things, and it's actually quite a massive story in Paris. I'm just reading around and listening to a few people talk about it. And one of the things is that um, Mbappe's argument is you never take Neymar off. You never take Di Maria off. I'm not your 19-year-old, you're grooming, 20-year-old 20, grooming anymore. I'm your future Ballon d'Or winner. So it's a really interesting balance, which brings us on to... Oh, here's a good yarn. So this all happened, of course, in the, uh, with the other story of Neymar having his 28th birthday celebrations um, over the weekend. It was the all-white party. 400 people attended. The who's who in Paris. Thomas Tuchel wasn't there. Kylian Mbappe wasn't there. And here we are midweek at the moment and uh, Neymar's injured. He's unavailable to play for Paris Saint-Germain today. So um, in, in light of that, does that, and this is also, of course, after he picked up a yellow card on the weekend for um, descent to the referee. So <laughs> what, what do you make of that, all that nonsense as well? Do you want a little stat? <laughs> 2018, Neymar injured on his birthday. 2019, Neymar injured on his birthday. 2020, injured on his birthday. Neymar's also missed his daughter, sorry, his sister's birthdays. He's had five straight years. Suspended, suspended, injured, 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 15 until 19. Now, that either tells me that you're one clever man or you're another word, which I'm not going to repeat in this Gagan pod, beginning with... Yes, Mm. fill in this blank. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bigger than bigger than the club. Not Neymar, is it? Surely Nobody is. Well, he tried to do it in the summer, though, didn't he? Um, you know, and they sort of had to beg him back to play. They wouldn't let him, they wouldn't grant him his move to Barca. And, you know, he thought, oh, I'm not going to wait around a year. I'll just do what I do and rip up the French league like he does. And, you know, a player of that ability, um, he's sort of wasted there. You but know. but pl- players do this. Yeah, uh, of course. I, I can... I can I think we talked about a, a former Jets player, and we didn't name him, we asked the <laughs> public to name. Uh, he would always miss either the trip to Wellington, he would all be, be injured or he would have a, a suspension, and Christmas and New Year, guarantee he would have that suspension window. It was, it was methodically planned. He knew how when to get his fifth card and he went for it. <laughs> so, you know, Neymar, <laughs> he enjoys his birthday parties. Now, what about you boys? You must have, uh, well, Bridgie, did you have 400 people at your white birthday parties in your 20s when you were <laughs> over in England? 
Uh, no, unfortunately, I didn't. But <laughs> I didn't have that many friends. <laughs> now, what I always used to do uh, for my birthdays or parties, I, I had a really good school football team back in the day, and I've got a really good... You, you make so many friends in football that you, when you become a professional footballer, you never know who your, your real friends are until you get injured. And then you find out when the phone calls stop. Yeah. People always want to be tickets. They always want to be around you and be seen. When you get injured and you're a bad piece of meat, you find out who your real friends are. Yeah, and that's right. why I'm delighted that I've had an unbelievable network of schoolmates that we've stuck together from day dot. And you never forget who your, your real friends are. And that, that was a big value. So if he's got 400 real friends, good on him. <laughs> good luck to him. Must have been a great night out. Um, no, I've never really had, you know, I've, I've obviously, like Bridget says, you have you have football friends, um, some become more than football friends, I think, in in life, obviously, when you spend more time with them. Um, but, you know, the core group of my friends are all people I've grew up with. Um, one of them I've played football since I was five with, and, you know, I'm still best friends with him to this day, so it's, you're very lucky to have 400 friends, believe me. Yeah, you'd, you'd rather that. I mean, the biggest party I ever did throw was in the Millennium. Um, you know, I was at Leeds, there was a good atmosphere, I was, I was living by myself, I was actually living with my best mate at the time, Michael Grant, and I just thought, you know what it is, stuff it, let's attach a marquee to the back of the house, <laughs> and I was getting rid of all the carpets, so I'll, I'll never forget, the carpets were going, so what we did, we put all the furniture into the dining room, and it was just stacked high, stocked it away, and left <laughs> all the floors empty, my mate worked at Marks and Spencer's, which is a big, you know, yeah, M&S, good. Yeah. some good Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Good food, some good wine. He had 50% discount on the wines, and I just filled the house up. <laughs> and I'll never forget the, the the Leeds lads. There was myself, Darren Huckabee, Ian Hart, Harry Kuehl, and who was the other one? Who was the fifth? Bloody hell, he was that good. Oh, Lee Bowyer. And we were singing five in front of all my schoolmates. <laughs> uh, it was just a five of me to get down. Great it was song. a great night. And then I came in to witness Harry, Cherie Kuehl, Harry's wife, pouring red wine and doing pouring red wine on the floor and, and drawing a picture I said what the hell are you doing you know and she said well you're getting rid of them next week aren't you I went yeah why not so everybody started just painting the floor red it was just an unbelievable party so it does go on it did go on and um, I met my wife a year later so that then party ah, stopped yes. <laughs> so who, who was the who was the name uh, of, of your eras that, that threw those parties or, or did those shenanigans oh, I'm trying to think I didn't really have we didn't really have uh, the big personalities to do that. Maybe, you know, Royston Drenfer when I was at Reading, he was a little bit more out there than than a lot of us. We were a lot of, you know, players who've come through the obviously had the leagues or the youth system, and he was a big star at the time who came to Reading. And you know, uh, he'd, we'd have a weekend off. He'd come in on Tuesday instead, and you know, he'd. <laughs> I remember one thing he put on like Twitter or whatever, like just to fans come around my house and oh, play FIFA. Geez. He just put come and play FIFA at my house and have a FIFA tournament at his house with fans and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's not like parties or anything, but we You're were locking like, your stuff up. Yeah, we were like, so you don't want any of the boys around, but you want like fans around and stuff. But it's you know, it was a strange, strange situation. But I actually really liked him as well. He was a funny guy. So did you not have a party boy at the club in person? No, was we had it a more group, of a team? Yeah, we had a yeah. good group. You know, I think successful teams have that. They don't really yeah. have one who stands out as a, the main party boy, but you have a good group of boys who that, you know, s- enjoy themselves. I, I just asked a question because that was the Leeds thing that we had. We didn't have any party boys. It was one in, all in. And the guy that always m- tried to get that going was Gary Kelly. It was a senior Irish yeah. player. He was a right back. He loved a laugh and a joke, but he would always invite everybody round to the Bingley Arms in Leeds, which was a local quiet pub where you could get away. There was a lovely back garden and it was the players and their wives and their families or their girlfriends. And then he would literally walk down the drive of the Bingley Arms straight to Gary Kelly's house and he'd have a house, like a party yeah. house. He just, just fantastic. So it wasn't the party scene, it was the, that collective togetherness. Yeah, good times, good stuff. Thanks for those, thanks for those insights, boys. <laughs> would you rather... Back on the pitch. Would you rather... A kepper, a good kepper, or a good Willy Caballero as your kepper? 
Uh, Kepper, I think. You know, um, I don't see too many dis- dissimilarities with with him and De Gea when he first came. Obviously, he's he's having a bad run of it at the moment, but I think if you just stick with him, maybe he comes out the other side of it. Like De Gea, De Gea hasn't become one of the world's best. That is really a really interesting analogy. So if you're Frank Lampard, everyone's calling this like one of his first really big band management tests and a massive test as well because he's got 140 million Aussie dollars that he's gambling with right now. Yeah, what do you do? Um, it depends if he's having him in the first place. Obviously, Sari brought him in um, and it's his keeper. Just... Does Frank want his own keeper brought in? Um, if he doesn't and likes what he sees from Kepa um, and sees there's, there's room to grow there, then obviously he sticks by him and, and you know and lets him build his confidence back up and goes again. But if he doesn't, then I guess he ships him out and, and, and sees what he can bring in in the summer. You know, Bridgie, the gap between expected goals, that's that old really nerdy stat, but for what the expected goals are and the swing to what Chelsea actually concede, the only club worse off than Chelsea with Kepa in goals is Southampton. And they're a club that shipped nine to Leicester. It kind of makes sense why Frank ran out of patience then and there. Yeah, all day long. And we talk about confidence in goalkeepers. It's it's a position where you make one mistake, it's going to cost you a goal. Defenders and strikers, we can get away with it at the other end. Goalkeepers can't. And Kepa's made a lot of mistakes of late. De Gea has. And he's been, you know, they've stuck by him at Manchester United. But I just think with Caballero coming in, I'm going to disagree with you here. Yeah. I think at this moment in time, Caballero is the, the man. It takes the pressure off Kepper. He won't like it. It'll keep them going. But don't get me wrong, Kepper is definitely one for the future. Now, whether that's four weeks down the line, whether it's five weeks, whether it's till the end of the season, I do not know. That's how Frank handles it. But I just think Kepper, has, for me, every week, he looks like he's getting more nervous. He's getting more fragile. And mm. teams now are delivering that ball in on top of him because you just don't know what you're going to get. He's like a bag of licorice all sorts, you know what I mean? You just <laughs> well, don't know what you're going to get. That's what happened with De Gea, didn't he? I think um, everyone's seen him as he came over as a as a young boy, and, you know, they just piled on him. They put corners on him, and, you know, he was too weak to come for, for a lot of things, and then, you know, two or three years later... One of the best in the world. Yeah, that's what I mean. For the next seven, eight years, he was, he's unbelievable. So it just depends where, obviously, Frank wants to go with that. What's the price tag do? Is that something that does actually weigh on a player's mind? Adam, I mean, I mean you're here as a big name player, obviously. Yeah, you're, not, you're not the world's most expensive goalkeeper, but... <laughs> oh, hang on. You should see me in that. But the pressures are there. Um, is that a real tangible thing that weighs on someone's shoulders? Um, I, ca- I guess it can do, yeah. Um, I think there's all levels to it, obviously. If you're getting bought for... 80 million, 85 million. People want instant results. Look at Pogba, you know, um, the pressure on him to, to produce all the time. And, you know, if you, I think if you look at the stats for him, his chances created and uh, the assists for chances and stuff like that and and, sh- and shots and goals, he's probably the highest or for, for United for the past two years. But people want more from him. Um, and obviously the pressure of, of delivering for being a £100 million pound player it is unbelievable. You know, um, me being a big player out here for Sydney... Um, you know, pressure on me to score goals every week. But as a player, you thrive off, off that sort of pressure. It's just, you know, maybe a younger player would, would not like that because obviously, you know, there's a lot more things going on in your head then. Bridgie, the, uh, speaking, we haven't done a top five, Bridgie top five for a while, but this is a good excuse to do that because it's big money, big names. We've just finished the transfer window. What kind of company does Kepa keep? Is he amongst the top five most over overpriced or I guess underperforming Premier League stars right now? Well, you've, you did give me a little heads up on this one. You give us 24 hours to think about it and come up with something. Kepa is in there because you've got a price tag like that and you've just given the stats away about what he you know, what he has done this season. He is in there. I haven't done it a one to five in any list. I've just put the five players in there that I feel have really let themselves down and, they, and their clubs and the fans that they've, they've come for. Um, Kepa is in there. I've also gone for Pepe of Arsenal. Yeah. 75 million. Goal scorer supremo at his previous club came in and I said he would have a blinding season. Now, Unai Emery, I don't think let him express himself as mm-hmm. much as what I would have liked to have seen him play. But again, when you're coming with that price tag and you're getting opportunities, it just hasn't been good enough. It hasn't gelled. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for next season under um, Arteta when the rotations start happening. Um, I think he'll get back two scoring goals but big letdown for 75 million yeah definitely I think Arsenal banked a lot on him and they've yeah. been poor as well but um, you know you expect big things for players you pay 75 million for and I mean if I'm if I'm Unai Emery and I've, if I look at my team sheet and I've got Pepe 
Lacazette and Aubameyang, and you think, no, I've got to pick one or two out of the three. Stuff that. Yeah. Put all three of them out there, mate. You know, get that that is that is goals all over the place. So he's he's in there. I've also gone for Tottenham Hotspur. I had to put a Spurs boy in there. And Dumbelli, sixty million from Leon, hasn't found his feet. You talked about Bergwijn coming in and scoring a goal in his debut, and Dumbelli scored a goal early on in his career at Spurs. But again, since then, been non-existent. Very very, not really embraced it. Uh, had issues, I think mentally as well off yeah. the park. He's been a bit down. He's whether he's missing home life. I don't know what's going on. Tottenham have got to handle that one. So again, we don't know what's going on there, but he's in the top five. Another one is the new boy, Musa Keen. <laughs> Everton. Big expectation. Wow. But, wow. but what he's had to handle under Ferguson when he's yeah. subbing him on and dragging him off at a young age, that, that's hard to handle. But again, just hasn't been scoring goals. Got a yeah, new lease of life. Enough, yeah. No, it's not, is it? No, no, it's not done enough. For that sort of money, you know, you know we have uh, a big reputation in, in obviously Italy. And playing for um, Juventus as well when he when he was playing for them and he's just not done enough. It was a, when I saw the sign and I'm going wow Everton by the way they've got an absolute diamond yeah. here again new culture new lifestyle Liverpool, living in Liverpool or sorry Merseyside I can't <laughs> say living in Liverpool he won't be yeah. it, it's a it's tough to embrace and get on with so hopefully Ancelotti can can help him out with that and sort him out and get him ready but again he's got to be in there it wasn't as expensive mind. Only 25 mm. million compared to the rest of them. And here's one for you. I just think this guy is absolutely honking. Um, <laughs> it's Joe Linton. He's coming to Newcastle United, 40 million. He's got one goal. I think he scored in the FA Cup game today against Oxford. Um, it wasn't even a clinical finish. And I just feel for 40 million, if you're a Brazilian player, you should be scoring a lot more goals than that. Chances created. He, he just looks... Could be a springboard for him, though. You never know. A springboard? I want to see his passport. <laughs> I want to see that he is actually Brazilian on there. So I'd, oh, he's in the top five. He, and I mean, you could have, I could have put in there again, Haller coming from Frankfurt for West Ham. Yeah. Um, hasn't really set the world on fire. And the other one um, is Pablo Fernells, who's coming. He's a cracking player, but again... Is that because of West Ham? Yeah, yeah, situation yeah. there and yeah. struggling. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, with the money being paid in the, in the window, it always shows you just how prudent you have to be and how careful you have to be with who you sign. Because particularly with that money, <laughs> there's a lot of money being spent there. He said, "What? Speaking of money spent, how about this from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after United's uh, drawing blanks against Wolves? He said, "I didn't expect much more than what we did today. I have to be honest. The boys have given absolutely everything when a pl- team plays so deep like today. It." became hard. Now, Adam, I know you've played for Oli. Uh, I know you're a Manchester United fan. What kind of reaction should the fan group have to hearing this constant kind of messaging from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Um, I think one thing that you are, you are right by saying, it's been constant, you know, um, after games where they've been disappointing, the message has been the same. They've tried, um, which, you know, every player should be trying. You're playing for United, <laughs> biggest club in the world or one of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, trying should be the you know the first and foremost you think you do and you expect with United a lot of flair and you know a lot of attacking play and we've just not got that um, top of the pitch we've got no strikers and we've got people pretending to be strikers um, obviously Rashford's the main mm. one who, but obviously he's out injured and you've got no one to replace him really Marshall's not a number nine Greenwood's not a nine at the minute um, obviously Igalo comes in do I see him as top four, n- number nine? Not really. Maybe a few years ago when he was at Watford, he was unbelievable. But, you know, he's been out of the game for a while in China, so you don't know how sharp he's going to be. You say pretending to be strikers. Are you are you surprised what's happened with Anthony Martial's progression from four years ago to now and that he hasn't just gone on and what well, Rashford has gone so far past him in a way? Yeah, you know, um, I think Martial, he's, he just looks as if he's one of them confidence players. When he's, you know, high in confidence, he's unbelievable, unstoppable out on the left, cutting in, can't stop him, all, all types of finishes at the minute, bouncing off him like a park railing, you know, <laughs> just doesn't seem like a number nine for me. You're um, a Man United fan, aren't you? Yeah. Does he f- does he frustrate you when you watch him play at times because of his body language? Yeah, of course, but with flair players, you know, you tend to get that where sometimes it can be a bit languid and then just burst into life and that's why you love them because, you know, they've got the X factor, um, Marshall definitely has that. And I'm one of his biggest fans as well. I love him. I think he's a fantastic player, but you just want more from him. You want more consistency. He's getting 23, 24 now. You want to start seeing, you know, him enter the prime of his career and, and start you know, fulfilling his, his great potential, which he has. First impressions of Bruno Fernandes for Manchester United, thrown straight into the deep end. Very impressed. 
Um, he had a shot that went wide, but I just, I loved the fact he wanted the ball. He was always available, opportunities, and he, you know, you're coming to a, a team in Man United that have had a lot surrounding them in that transfer window, and the boys couldn't give him the ball enough. And it, it's a very exciting signing. Yeah, they didn't get the result, but I'll tell you what, he was he was at the heart of most things. So that was a that's a massive, massive achievement for me and a and a great signing, which is only gonna enhance this football club. And they're the signings that United need to get back to. That is a sign that gets me excited. I'm not even a fan of, of Man United, but I'm a fan of the Premier League and I want the best players there and he looks like he is gonna be one of the one of the top class players in the league. Yeah. Hopefully one of those players that actually doesn't deprove coming to Old Trafford. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know. We need need um, you know, like Bridget says, a few more players like that to to improve the squad. Did you see uh, Sean Dyke's uh, man management handling of Chris Wood on the weekend? Now uh, he, it was lip readers, but it was very very clear what he was barking from the sideline. And I won't say it verbatim, but he was saying, "Chris, don't be a." Now just think of two swear words: one begins with F, one begins with D, and he repeated that twice, and it was very very clear to everyone. Bridget, you're a you're a manager on on the rise, a manager in waiting. How do you, what do you make of that man management? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it because if you've got that relationship with your players, right? Chris Woods knows that Daishi is not going to mean that. Yeah. And every day, it's different if he walks along past him in the corridor in the morning of training, goes, "Morning, Chris, you're an F and D." <laughs> yeah. Oh, morning, Gaffer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That is completely different. In the he, he was actually when it when it. What I love about it is he hasn't covered his mouth. He's shouting it out yeah. as it is. Woods has made a mistake. He's done something, and it hasn't gone down well with Daishi. But he's actually put a little bit of a funny spin on yeah. it. Yeah, it looks as if he's like half smiling it, with it as yes, well. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it it's not as if he's like got an angry face on, you know, proper mean in it. And, yeah. You know, he could obviously take it a different way, but obviously it looks as if it's a bit, f- a bit of fun with now, it as well. Y- you can't do that in junior football. <laughs> well, and and you, can't, you can't do it to everyone. Like, that's his shtick, right? So the players that play for him bounce off that. Yeah, and, course, yeah. and that's kind of, when I say, what do you make of that man management? That's unique to him. Well, I say Solskjaer that hasn't had that kind of... Um, anger in him and that kind of drive but last week or yeah, the last we game we lingered he mm. lingered yeah. you know he was saying you you bleep me think and mm. I was like oh hang on a minute oh, it's actually hurting Ollie for the first time on the sideline yeah, he's actually the patience is running a little bit thin I correct think did you guys have a manager that had that kind of quirk or that you knew oh, or, or, or you <laughs> yeah, or that you but it resonated with you like it was it was something that was different but that was their personality do you, uh, do you want to take this one away? Uh, I had one with Neil Lennon. I uh, only spent like three months with him, but it's one of the most entertaining three months I've ever had. Um, to be fair to me, he was unbelievable. You know, he was. I'd sit in the changing room and he'd just pop up from nowhere, whispering me like, you're the best striker in the league. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, I am. Thanks. <laughs> like, I'd go in the mirror and I'm like, yeah. He believes, like, let's go and do this. And I'd go out and play well or whatever and score. I'd come in at half time and losing 1-0 or something. And he'd be like, you, 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 go and wait in there. The rest of you, ah, 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 10 minutes berating him. And then he'd go, you three, come back. Right, we're going to go out this second half and do totally the opposite of what we just done. Like, it was, you know, sometimes it was a bit bit too much, but some of it was unbelievable. I loved it. I love working for him. He was brilliant. Well, my, mine's got to be, I'll give you two scenarios where it works and where it doesn't work. And Peter Reid at Sunland with Bobby Saxon. It was the best combination of management I have ever seen. You've got Peter Reid that, you've, you know, swears his head off, 30 swear words in a half-time team <laughs> talk, and you've got the guy in the background, Bobby Saxon, just desperately trying to use the whiteboard or, or show some <laughs> tactics. Um, and really would do it in a way that motivated you. It was never, never harmful and, and demoralised, and he always give you that little bit of incentive at the end of it. Like Alfie was saying there, Peter Reid told me I was crap for five minutes at half time, and I'm thinking there's another twenty players in this dressing room. You know how? Yeah. You know, can you ever go at somebody else, even if it's the subs or the lads that aren't involved? But he did say we're playing Arsenal at the end of it. You are crap this game. You're crap. But I'll tell you what, there's international players out there, and Dennis Bergkamp and Paul Merson, and you are as good as them. So after being belittled and berated for five minutes, suddenly I go out there and I feel ten foot tall. Yeah. And that that is the art of management that one thing as long as the players can grab onto it the flip side of that is when you get somebody like Phil Brown that does just yeah. belittle you and berate you and it's all about Phil Brown and that's when you lose you lose sight of what what is good management and what isn't and I still think to this day his biggest downfall was the the Man City yeah. when he sat the lads in front of treat them like kids as how as Hal boss that famous that oh, famous game yeah. he was a dis, he was a disgrace 
Potential. You know what you learn as you go through your career? As a player, don't look at the, the bigger picture and you don't set yourself 15-year goals after football, what you're going to do for five years. And I've been going through the badges and it's been fantastic to actually sit down and go through all the managers that I've had. Now, I've had a lot of managers, <laughs> by the way. Same. And you, you, you take the good out of them and you take the bad out and you come up with a pros and cons list of what worked, what didn't work. And it's been fascinating. And, and I still, he's the only manager that I've got on the page, Phil Brown, that I haven't actually got anything on the pros. Everything's on the <laughs> everything's on the crap side. So there you go. Standing. One of the famous moments that huddle where he berated all the players on the pitch. It was a half time, wasn't it? It was half time. Yeah, half time, yeah. Man City. Yeah, yeah Man City. Well, can you remember the week after they scored and Jimmy Bullard, who's yeah, one of the he? funniest guys yeah, ever? Pointing at everyone. He reenacted that moment. You just tell by the players' faces, Nick Barnby. Because that's the reason I was at Sydney FC. Yeah, Because okay. we had a big fallout. And yeah. I just said, I can't deal with you when it, you know, I do not deal with arrogance yeah. and I can't deal with you. So I left the club, and it was funny when the lads actually text me and said, "You should see what he's done. Wait till next week in the match if we if we get a Jim, <laughs> Jim, Jimmy's got something planned." And Bullard was meant to be hilarious, outstanding, great stuff. Now, as we record here, we've just got some full time results in from the FA Cup replays, and Liverpool have got past Shrewsbury Town. Would you believe it? They needed an own goal to get through. Shrewsbury did have a goal uh, disallowed through VAR a bit earlier on, so that the fairy tale run is done, and Jurgen Klopp's gamble has paid off. Would you believe that? That the gamble has played off, and Jurgen Klopp playing the kids, playing the under twenty threes, gets through to a fifth round tie at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea I hope they get all the bonuses as well all the kids yeah. all the kids yeah, the surely they will, they've yeah. got to so he's diffused that, uh, that controversy by getting through there other results this morning oh Bridgie <laughs> it's extra time Oxford United against Newcastle 2 all. <laughs> that was 2-0 up to Newcastle so we don't have a result for you as we speak there you said that though, didn't you you said it was a, tri- a tricky game 2-0 yeah. yeah. lead always very dangerous Great coach by the way Mr. Carl Robinson future future tomb boss well, f- uh, definitely a future Premier League boss and high in the championship without a shadow of a doubt, Rob. He's, he's, he's been there before. Obviously, he's worked under people. I was with him at MK Dons. Highly regarded. And what he's doing at Oxford, sensational. And uh, the other one to look for is Derby County beating Northampton 4-2. Sorry, that is full-time. So that's a date for Wayne Rooney with Manchester United in the fifth round. Absolutely brilliant stuff. You can't write that. That's what you love with the magic of the cup. We look ahead to the weekend. Now, it's the winter break. The winter break in inverted commas because uh, there are games this weekend. There are games next weekend. The difference is, is they split it up. So each club gets, I think it's something like 13 days off in a row. Really interesting round because there's uh, four games all involving teams with really different variants of momentum. Everton kick it off on Saturday night against Crystal Palace at 11.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Brighton have Albion, an absolute bottom of the table, six-pointer, 4.30am on Sunday morning against Watford. Sunday, or into Monday morning, 1am Australian Eastern Daylight Time, Sheffield United against Bournemouth, and then Manchester City against West Ham United. Now, Alfie, you would have played against Sheffield United not long ago. Can you believe what you're seeing? Yeah. They're very good, very well coached. Um, arguably the best team in the championship when we played against them. Played against them in in League One as well. When obviously we went up with with Bolton and and they won the league and they played the exact same way. Near enough the same players. They were outstanding. You know, it's it's very rare to see they play three five two. Very rare to see the you know right sided centre half. He's going on overlaps in the box, crossing it in for the left centre half sometimes and. You know, they had such good rotation. Um, they've got brilliant players as well. And they've bought into the, the whole thing with, with obviously Chris Wilder. And they're reaping the rewards of that. Five, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Five points off Champions League football. That'd be unbelievable for him. Next four matches, Bournemouth, Brighton, Norwich, Newcastle United. 12 points then. All, isn't it? All winnable, I tell you. They're the one team that's not on a slippery slope down no. in that sort of top seven places. Everyone else can't figure out what they want to do, where they want to be, and Sheffield United are not letting up. It's it's Leicester-esque of a couple of years ago, even if they just stay in this territory. It's absolutely phenomenal, and they've got a few signings in the transfer market too, so it's all going swimmingly there. Um, just any the offensive momentum, what else do you guys pick out from the weekend in terms of the biggest talking points? Everton are gently on the rise with Carlo Ancelotti. West Ham are just in the absolute slide into goodness knows where. And yeah. um, what takes your fancy, Alfie? Yeah, definitely the West Ham, I think. Um, you know, a lot's come out about the owners as well. Sky making an apology to them. Um, um, you know, they're in real trouble. You know, a club that size, a lot of investment in the club. And, you know, they're in massive trouble and they've got... 
we've got some fixtures coming up which you know you don't envy um you don't see where they're going to pick up points and you don't see the players who are going to do it for him well, you, you obviously will you can't see them beating man city liverpool and arsenal uh, maybe arsenal <laughs> <laughs> hopefully liverpool but there's no chance of that it's incredible yeah. eh? they're they're in big big trouble what about you bridgie what as i said four games they don't look like the biggest profile games, but the consequences in all these games are actually quite big. Yeah, it's it's the Brighton game. It's the t- it's the two Aussie boys. Brighton going up against Watford. You know, Watford in nineteenth, Brighton in fifteenth. There's only three points between them. This is a, this is a huge huge game, and you've got Aaron Moy and Matty Ryan at Brighton. I, I don't want to see um, Aaron Moy go back to back relegations in two seasons. And you know, I've, I've I've been in that situation with Sunderland when we came up went down. Um, came up again and went down the OYO club it's, it's not a mm. nice situation to be in so I'm hoping the boys at Brighton can pull a result off here to get them out but also I, I like Watford I like what they're doing uh, and I just look forward to, to seeing them get a few more results coming through towards the latter stages because again this is a tough run for, for Watford but I like what they're doing so this is the game that stood out for me it's, it's a huge huge game and um, I'm just hoping Brighton get the result this time and for Jules Breach <laughs> of it's course, up to sports <laughs> uh, correspondent over in the UK. Yeah, Nigel Pearson, you referenced with what Watford, who's doing, uh, he's doing his best miracle working stuff there as well. Uh, Crystal Palace, anyone got a few concerns for them and their form at the moment? They seem to be on a, they're finding it as uh, their early season um, form under Roy Hodgson and their reliance on Wilfred Zaha. That looks like that's starting to uh, run into a little bit of a brick wall. Uh, not particular. I just think that's typical Palace. You know, they have ebbs and flows of a season. They do well for 10 games, look as if they're going to break the top half, lose five in a row, go around to the bottom half, look as if they're going to get relegated and then, you know, peter out into mid-table. I think they're going to probably do that again. Yep, fair enough, fair enough. I can't think who it was on Talk Sport that were mentioning Roy Hodgson and it was an ex-player. It might have been um, Darren Bent. Oh, I, ca- I can't think. Somebody mentioned, but they were talking about Roy Hodgson, and the comment was, uh, "Oh no, it was Morrison." Yeah, Morrison came. Clint Morrison, next player there, he came out and said that Roy Hodgson had done an unbelievable job at Crystal Palace. Has yeah. he done an unbelievable job? What have they actually done? Wow, I think it's just a normal job, really. He's done, <laughs> surely. Yeah, if he's, he's unbelievable, I want to see a trophy cabinet. I want to see them pushing for. I'd say Wilder at Sheffield United is doing yeah. an unbelievable. He's job. got to win Manager of the Year, sure. I'd well, say Jurgen Klopp, Klopp is doing an unbelievable job. I don't think anyone would begrudge Wilder if he did yeah. win it, but I tell you what, you the unbelievable thing. Has. Maybe it's just keeping Wilfred Zaha there. Maybe that's been the unbelievable part of of his job there at Palace, gents. We're going to end off there because we've got to get you off to training. Got to get you off to session under Stevie Corica and Bridgie, you've got to do some laps. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks so much for your time. Bridgie, great to see you as always and great to see you again, Adam. Cheers. Good luck on the weekend in the Derby. Big game. Sure you score a couple of goals. Everyone out there, as ever, lots of football to look forward to on Optus Sport this weekend. Scores on Sunday, Sunday morning. So until the next gag and pod, enjoy your football. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.